Welcome to episode 4 of the Exmouth Harriers Club Chat podcast. This week's episode is in two instalments. Firstly, we'll be talking to Becky Matthews about her monumental marathon in her 8 metre back garden. Secondly, I will be reflecting on that and other things with my club mate Tristan. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, don't forget to like and share the page on your social media feeds. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, welcome Becky to this week's episode of Exmouth Harriers Club Chat. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I wanted you on the this this week's episode because uh, we follow each other on Strava. I think it's because we're both in the same Exmouth Harriers Strava club. And all of a sudden there was this big red dot that came up on your on your map screen. It, there was exactly 26.2 miles on on the on the details. Yeah, I was surprised because there was no marathons running at the moment and it was because you did it in the in the back garden. Now, we're going to get onto that in a minute and that extraordinary feat. Firstly, though, do you want to just give a quick introduction to yourself for everybody? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Becky. I am a mum of two daughters. Um, I work part time. I've, I was cabin crew for the past 10 years, but I've recently changed my career to a local dog walker. So out and about all the time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I've been running for about four years, um, but my first sort of race was last February, my first half marathon. And then I've just taken it a bit more seriously in the past year, really. You can certainly see that on your Strava. So would I take it from what you just said, your longest run before last week was 13 miles? So my longest run was I did a 20 mile um, race as part of my Manchester marathon training. I did a Cornish 20 mile race at the beginning of March. Uh, and then since the marathon got cancelled because of everything, yeah, I've sort of tailed back my long runs. So, Well, that's wise to do so. And we mentioned that in the first episode, actually. Is there a need to, to put yourself under that pressure to do those long runs? Although you have been putting some mileage in from, from what I see. Yeah. So, well, thanks for introducing yourself. So let's go to this challenge that you decided to do. Tell me about everything, why you decided to do this challenge. So uh, I'm on a group, a Facebook page called The Running Community. and uh, There's a guy on there that started a challenge to raise money for the NHS called The Great Garden Run. So I was just reading what he had, he wanted to achieve from it. And he just gave people challenges to run what they can in their garden. So I... I thought, obviously, I'd been training for Manchester Marathon. Why not attempt to do it in my garden, which is the size of a shoebox? <laughs> that was my next question, actually. So great if, if you lived in Limpston Manor. <laughs> you yeah. know, it'd be quite feasible and enjoyable <laughs> to do that. So tell us the dimensions of your garden. Well, the length is 8.6 metres. <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness. Right. Yeah. Um, and the width, did you run in squares or circles or was it just up and down shuttles? It, well, it was trial and error, really. I had to, because my Garmin watch didn't pick up the distance, it just obviously wasn't far enough to track it. Uh, I had to do it the length, lengthways just so I could get an accurate reading of the mileage because I had to tally the mileage. Yeah. Each. That's how I tracked it, really. So you weren't so doing I, a tally chart? Because I sort of remember seeing on your... It was either Facebook or Strava, you had a tally board. Was it that that you yeah. primary measuring device or was it your, your watch? No, so it, it, was the, it was my wall. So I used chalk. So every 10 laps of the garden, I'd do a 
of telly onto the wall. So the whole time I was running, my head was counting. And it's funny because you work out how long a brick takes to fill, and then you saw, and then my head's going that it's going to take me this long to do it. So as well as running, that's what kept my mind busy the whole time. I just had to obviously concentrate on how many times I was doing it. And um, and then sort of each lit row of bricks was two and a half miles. So yeah, it was it was it was interesting. That sounds like a nightmare to me. One, the discipline to run in such a short distance up and down in shuttles. Mm -hmm. But I know when I've tried swimming and I try and remember how many laps I've done, and <laughs> there's no, even up to the number ten, I always forget. Did you have trouble yeah. remembering the laps you've done with the garden? Not, I didn't have any distractions to be honest. No. Um, so it was, I was quite focused on it, and it sort of took my mind off because I did hit a wall a couple of times, and then I thought, I've got this far. Why well, I'm not going to run for four hours and then not complete it. So tell me about yeah. that actually, because the time, am I correct? It was six hours that you took to do the challenge. Yeah, just on, just under. Which, to be honest, I complete, completely underestimated how long it would take and what it would the constant turning what that would do to my ankles <laughs> yeah so if i was to make a, a guesstimate and um, i feel pretty good at this it, i would see your marathon time at being a decent marathon time definitely within the mm. three to four hour bracket and um, potentially yeah. under three and a half hours would i have guessed I, that was your target for manchester my yeah target was three and a half yeah, so I would have put you slightly under that. So you've nearly d done double the amount of time. So mm. you've mentioned the turning. Now just tell us physically and mentally, what was it like always having to do that, the turning, and the fact that in your mind, you're a three to four hour or three to three and a half hour marathon runner, and now it's turned into a six hour endurance feat. Yeah, yeah, it was tough, but um, I had also entered the ultra marathon, the classic quarter in June. So uh, so after Manchester, my goal was to slow down and just focus on time on feet rather than speed. So I just then thought, you know, if I've, I'm now sort of in the zone of where I, I want to be for like an ultra down the line. Uh, what the, yeah, the constant turning. So I quickly realized that I couldn't, to keep turning around sort of in a circle in a circular motion because I, I was getting motion like I was getting dizzy from it really so I'd have to yeah so I'd sort of have to go sort of 10 laps up and down one way and then face the other way and do that that's something I would never have considered before if someone had said to me yeah. this in my garden would be motion sickness yeah it was really weird <laughs> it was quite strange and what was it like on on the body? Was there things hurting that you hadn't imagined because of the the turning? Yeah. So the day after, my really strange, my shoulders and my back were really sore, and obviously my ankles were quite sore from I think just the constant pushing off. Yeah. Changing the direction. I mean, I wonder if the the back and shoulders would. By the time eight meters is uh, completed, you haven't actually sort of stood up into a running stride almost. Yeah, you're, you, know, you're... you can't get, you couldn't get, I couldn't get into any sort of pace, obviously, because by the yeah. time I'd, I'd got some motion, I was slowing down to turn again. So it was, yeah, it was just very slow and steady, really, and just consistent. 
I have got a bone to pick with you though, Becky, because you say it was hard and you were aching afterwards. Your running activity afterwards has been quite high. So normal oh, yeah. recommendations is two weeks rest after a marathon, taking it very easy, but you're straight away back on the coastline and you're not you're being no slouch about it as well. So it obviously um, hasn't um, affected you. No, I'm a nightmare. I'm not, I'm terrible for resting. I'm terrible for rest days. Uh, I think I took the Monday off running the day after but i don't know my legs have felt quite strong but i think it's because obviously of the situation of being at home and normally i'm very active I'm on the go all the time i think my legs are recovering at home in the day when i'm quite sort of stationary yeah. and i'm out for an hour a day so my legs seem to be all right from it really oh you're very lucky very lucky yeah. uh, so did you have anyone helping you on this or was it a solo effort to it was a solo effort. So you didn't have kids <laughs> I, doing I water stops? Have, yeah, I I had um, sort of drinks on the map because it was a hot day. Yeah. I had drinks out there, but I did stop and have sort of protein bars and stuff through the day and then a huge tea in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> and mentally then, because I have to admire you again, and you hear quite a lot of ultra runners doing something like this. You know, when I think of Scott Jorak, he did a, I remember he used to enjoy, obviously he's very famous for going across um, continents almost, was the last famous thing he did. But he's also liked to do one mile loops, hundreds of them, just to explore the mm -hmm. discipline of being concentrated. What was it like mentally to focus uh, on this challenge whilst you were doing it? Uh, it was tough. Uh, I... I, I suppose I doubt myself quite a lot, so um, I, but I'm quite competitive with myself. So when I did find it hard, I suppose just had a word with myself and sort of said, you know, you, you, I, just that I wanted to complete it. I, I hadn't really told anyone apart from a couple of friends I was going to give it a go. Because I knew that I've told people, I, I wanted to prove that I could do it then. Yeah, and that's good. That's the nice thing about running. It's nice to have the crowds there, and it is lovely when people yeah. say lovely things about it, but you can't yeah. beat the personal satisfaction that you get, and it lasts for a long yeah. time. It's not a short-term thing. So well done on that. It's, a, it's an amazing achievement. You. Have you managed to uh, get involved in any more uh, virtual races or anything like that? I've not looked. No, I've not looked at anything else. No. I might. I, I should do, though, because I do like to have something to focus on. Well, it's definitely worthwhile, apart from you might have heard me mention in the last episode, I, I did it but forgot to upload it. I don't think I would have won a prize anyway. Yeah. But um, it, was, uh, it was good, actually. I, I actually got a little bit of race nerves before pressing the, pressing the start button. Yeah, there was a little bit of simulation there, so they're definitely worthwhile, and it's 5K this week. Uh, I'm off to do it later, in fact. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. So, what have you got planned for the year, then, coming up? I know we've got a lot cancelled, and you were due to do Manchester yeah. is that still the case so yeah Manchester is being so that's postponed until October but the classic quarter ultra has been postponed until September so it's basically a choice of which one I choose because they're too close together to do both now tell me about this classic water race so it's 40 miles across the Cornish coastline part of the toughest coastline <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I remember it well actually 
and I remember. Have you, done, have you done that? Have you done the classic water? No, I haven't done classic water. Is it is it around Lands End by any chance? Yeah, that sort yeah. of area. So yeah. rather embarrassingly, I mean, I don't know how anyone could get lost at Lands End, but I remember <laughs> I was up the road at St Just, and I thought I'd run to Lands End, which I think was about five miles away. And I think I was expecting some big sign at Land's End to say, you are here, but it's quite modest there. I don't know if you've ever been yeah. before. <laughs> and I ended yeah. up running running another sort of 10 miles past Land's End going, where the hell is this Land's End? <laughs> but it was, yeah. uh, I laughed when you said it's around 40 miles around that coast. It is stunning, but it's stunning yeah. for a reason because it's epic. It's, 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 it's just up and down. It's I know we live on a beautiful part of the coast path, but it's definitely mm -hmm. more extreme there. Have you been there before? I've done a lot of um, the Cornish coast and bits. I uh, like Cornwall is, I love Cornwall. Yeah. Um, so I've, yeah, I've done a lot of the coastline, but just sort of 10 miles at a time, really, rather than the whole yeah. 40. So, so it's very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and 10 miles is enough. It certainly can be enough. Yeah. So what what do you think will win the day, Manchester or Cornwall? If you if you had to make a bet now, I think because I've put so much training and I'm sort of out. Of, I feel like I'm out of practice on trail and coast at the moment because since January I've been doing road running for Manchester. I'll probably try and get a marathon under my belt first, so probably Manchester this year. And especially you're going up with how many other Harriers are going up to yeah, Manchester? There's, if that there's quite a few, I think. I know probably five or six, I think, are going up. Yeah. And then I've got some other friends that don't run for clubs that are doing it. So so I think that'll be good. That'll be a good good start. Well, good luck to, to you on whatever one you, you choose. Thank right, you. just going to do some questions now that uh, I'm going to try out and might do it on other guests. What is your earliest running memory? Running, so I did run a marathon distance on my own to raise money for my daughter's preschool. And that was April 2017, I think. And that's your um, earliest so that, memory? Yeah, because I, I haven't really ran, I ran, I've ran for four years. So what, what prep so did you do before the 2017? Not enough, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I didn't, I, so, I, until sort of last year, I never wore a watch to track my pace, my distance. I was just a runner that went out, ran the dog, probably 5K um, a couple of times a week. And then, so when I did that one, I did, I had, I did up it to about 10, 11 miles as training. Mm. So I ran from Limpston Bridge uh, to Cockwood. Right. You know, the anchor at Cockwood and then yeah. back. And that's so that was 26.2. But it was very steady. I, w I didn't track it. I, it took me all day. So, yeah, that's my first sort of proper memory that I've got. Awesome. Yeah. Normally, my, <laughs> I think my first memory is a fun run when I was about eight and yours is a marathon <laughs> with not much prep. That's a, oh, yeah, sports definitely... days. Yeah, sports days, but I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're just being modest. What is your dream goal to achieve in running? in life would be an ultra would be to complete an ultra i'm not going to say 100 miles uh i would like to do that one day it sounds like it is a dream goal of yours 100 miles it is yeah it would be but i know what that would take but it is possible and interestingly yeah. at, at the distance the 
the gap between men and women is almost disappeared and women fare yeah. just as well as the men at that distance it actually favours uh, uh, females very well. If you could finish this sentence, I love running because... Well, it's, it frees my mind, I suppose. I, I, that, it's my time. Uh, and your favourite place to run is? The coast. Cornish coast, absolutely. Yeah. And do you go down there a lot, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, nice one. And where would you like to run that you haven't run before? Probably um, the, like, sort of the peaks or somewhere like that. I've never been up there. The yeah, I'd, I'd certainly like to go there. Or the Lake District, Scotland. I'd, I've never been to Scotland. I'd love to do Scotland. Fantastic place, uh, and I can see why you chose that. Well, that's it for today, Becky. Uh, thanks very Thank much you. for telling us about your, your marathon effort. I mean, I thought Thank it was you. awesome. And, um, Thank you. Six a hours. Bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would drive me crazy turning around after every eight minutes, and it certainly mm. says something about your ability to endure. Mm. Like I say, no, knowing your Strava times, six hours doesn't represent your twenty-six point two miles, but six hours represents a high level of determination. So, well done for doing Thank that. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Thank take care. I'll see you in the club one day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. the run on my way hello tristan how are you doing good thanks mate how are you not bad not bad so what did you think of uh, becky matthews's effort then oh my god that's mental absolutely mad i can't understand how you can run around your garden that often without going mental you know there are some things that i think i could do that other people may think mental and they, they include back-to-back -back marathons over days i could see myself if I had time to prepare, being able to do that, a hundred mile race, just some things I don't want to do. And that is run eight meter intervals for 26 miles. That to me sounds like a living hell. I've got total respect for it. Yeah, <laughs> the monotony, that's the thing, the monotony. Lots of people find it hard to go out for a run anyway, but going out and running eight meter intervals again and again and again, I don't understand how you manage to keep saying. Or... I think I'd want a bit of a fanfare. I'd want some real credit in the bag to, if I was going to uh, engage in something like that. And she appears to have done it off her own back and then done a couple of modest posts, one on Strava and one on Facebook, and that's it. I think I would have wanted the uh, local paper town yeah, <laughs> to yeah. give me some extra credit for, for that effort. Well, uh, well, when I was listening to it, I was working it out, and I, I actually couldn't believe it. So an eight-and-a-half-metre garden... And I'm six foot tall, and like when I look at Garmin and look at my average stride length, even when I'm running slowly, it's like 1.2 meters. And so that works out as like seven strides. So yeah. it's seven strides, stop, seven strides, stop. So you can't even get into a rhythm. By her measurements, I think she was, was it double? I reckon she was double her predicted marathon time. So. But I don't think it would get much faster. I think it would take anyone six hours to do because, like you say, you can't, if you were to do it quickly, it would hurt a lot because of the shuttle. It'd be like playing 10,000 games of squash in one session or something. It's like an endless bleep test. Yeah, and we all know how bad they are. So fair play to Becky. Well done. Probably one um, of the um, extra power records. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see many challenges coming her way, though. <laughs> yeah. Have you done anything crazy like that before? No, no, nothing that crazy. When I was younger, I used to do boxing training. And so I used to go out for runs around the block behind our house. And there's a half mile loop. And one of them, I just went out and I did 10 miles. 
and I was probably like 11 or 12 and I just yeah. went I just kept going round and round and round and round around this half mile really. and dad came out on the bike and actually found me to find out what was going on um, <laughs> um, that crazy yeah and I mentioned Scott Jarek and I remember when I was reading his book was it eat to run or something when he said yeah to to train his mind he did really small loop ultras and Lisa Hatchard did something recently, didn't she? Which was equally crazy. And I might try and get her on as an episode is 24 hours around a 400 meter track. I mean, I just can't think of anything worse and I can't think of anything that's more dangerous to almost cause an injury because you're doing the same repetitive thing time and time again. I completely agree. I actually, I don't understand track um, endurance races because running around a track one way again and again and again like one leg short in the other and one side of you must get uneven wear compared to the other side and it must, <laughs> must start hurting and again the monotony of it as well but you have to there's like a hundred percent respect for it like, oh and yeah I, and i say it because i take my hat off as in as i've said before i could see myself doing a hundred mile race in 24 hours I'm not saying it's not difficult, but I could see myself enjoying that process. I can't see myself ever uh, surrendering to a, a 400 meter track or a eight meter garden, that's for sure. Almost a different sport. Yeah. So what have you been up to this week? Uh, basically just um, going for runs or cycle rides each day. Um, working my way back from injury like yourself, but also um, I had a couple of weeks off with potential coronavirus symptoms. So. Okay like feeling breathless, bad cough. So working my way back up to, to fitness. Done a couple of um a couple of segments with oh, tell us about that. Well um the Harriers are currently battling over um the segment down down at the bottom of Exmouth next to the railway track. Marine Way to Carter Avenue. And it's about four hundred meters. And um we're all a few of the guys in the Harriers are just having a little battle out on there to see how fast we can do that. I'm observing this from afar and there seems to be a lot of uh, testosterone flying around about this segment. <laughs> and I think the the latest wound into everybody's manhood is Mike's son. How old is he? Is he a young um, lad and he's come and smashed everyone apart and uh, took the segment for his own? Oh, he's completely smashed it. He's done it in like 59 seconds. So it's roughly 400 metres in 59 seconds. Yeah. Um, and apparently he's a rugby player. So, um, yeah. yeah. How bad do we all feel? <laughs> it, looks, it does seem really bad. I think I think we've got to try and beat this. We're all talking about trying to break sixty seconds, and um, Simon Simon Minton's the closest out of the Harriers. But yeah, and then along comes Mike's son, and completely utterly does it in. So, and when Simon says he wants to break sixty seconds, he was an ex four hundred meter county champion. So yeah. That puts in perspective what Mike's lad did <laughs> by uh, by getting sub one minute. What do you think about segment chasing? Do you think it's a good tool for training? I haven't really. This is the first time I've done it for running. Um, I've done it for cycling quite a lot. So when I've been injured before, I've done a lot of cycling and um, hill hill climb KOMs and and um, cycling segments are so much bigger. Loads and loads of cyclists do segments. And it's a big thing to try and get that KOM on that hill climb. Yeah. And people all battle over it and people specifically look for the wind to try and find the perfect day to go up and go and do that climb. And it's not really the same sort of thing in running. It's not got the same kind of popularity. Yeah. I think is it do you think it's partly because G C races give points for part of the race, which might be a, a mountain climb or a sprint. So it's in the culture of 
of racing almost you can be in a race and um get some kudos for part of the race and not not come in the the podium finishes whereas running there's generally gold silver bronze across the ages and that's it there's no there's no segments in between in the races yeah true so it's, it's almost like a virtual um a virtual point climbing points competition from one of the tours so it's, it's mm. by going through the strava segments up climbs it's, it's almost similar to the climbing competitions in the tour like tour de france and um, tour of britain i've got to be honest about segment chasing right? <laughs> i only like it when i'm in the game and i think you touched on it there when i lived in somerset i was very much in the game there was only a couple of other people who were uh, taking crowns off of me and i and there was only a, a few that i thought there's no way i could get if i didn't put to, put some effort in but around Exmouth, that's not the case with the likes of Simon, Rob, Tom. <laughs> you know, they've, they seem to have cornered the market. So I sort of think, what's the point? <laughs> and also, cyclists. Every now and then, we, we, you look on the leaderboard and you think, oh, yeah, I've definitely, definitely got this as a KOM. And then you realise, actually, a cyclist has taken the running, running um, top spot and got the crown. And you've got to go and report, and it feels really bad going around reporting people saying like, oh, this guy's definitely not done three minute mile pace of a climb. Yeah, I've had that before. I thought, am I a grumpy old git sending an angry email <laughs> about something that doesn't really matter? But <laughs> deep inside me, it did matter. I was like, get off my crown. <laughs> <laughs> and when you put the, re when you report someone, you put the reason in there, it's always, it's always seems a bit, a bit obvious. It's like, they were not running at 30 miles an hour. Or they yeah. were not running at 25 miles an hour up a hill. It's easily done. Yeah, so I can understand it. So do you think so, you'll um, do you think you'll get the sub 60 for this 400 meter stretch? I'm not sure. I'm finding a really weird thing with this 400 meters. I've never done anything short than 1500 meters, which I used to do, I used to do at school. And um, the weird thing I'm finding is I'm finding it hard to go 100% on it. I'm so used to doing longer races that I'm holding yeah. back. So even during the 400, I'm still subconsciously holding back, thinking I've got a longer race to come. When I was training with Gordon before the pandemic, it was the first time in a long time where you rinse yourself out in a short space of time. Because I would I'd have previously thought, how could it be tiring doing 400 compared to a half marathon or something? But it is surprising how much damage you can do in that one minute to yourself. And even on a micro level, when you look at the sprinter trainers on the track, I mean, they look like they're resting most of the time and all they ever do is 10 minute, 10 meter bursts. And you sort of think, is that what you call training? But if you actually try and put everything into that short space of time, yeah, you can do some damage to those muscles to recruit speed in the future. That's for sure. But, that, but that's what I'm personally finding hard is that I just can't seem to remove the speed limiter. Instead, I'm still thinking, oh, I've got another mile coming up, so I've got to hold back a little bit. And I've had so many bad experiences of positive splitting races that I, yeah, I'm just too wary of going too hard. Well, I've had a, I've had a good week running. We just mentioned they're returning from injury. I'm now at a stable 40 miles a week, which I am utterly grateful for after having 12 weeks of not running. But I had my first episode yesterday of what I've termed as a little bit of walker's rage especially in this pandemic and it was on the coastal path from Budley going up towards Sandy Bay it was interesting actually part of me thinks if, if I tell the story and I, I, if I tell you the key points that I've got from it so there was a couple ahead of me and there was a space to overtake and to, to me I thought 
right, I can overtake, get this over and done quickly. I don't spook them by, you know, shouting, excuse me, and I go past. You know, in retrospect, maybe I could have said, right, I'm just coming through. So, you know, given, given that chance to offer social distancing. But anyway, went past. And then I can't, can't recall or couldn't understand what the woman said to me as I walked, ran past, but it wasn't very nice and it was very rude. And as I looked around, the, the husband said, yeah, you. And I just said, uh, sorry, what's the problem? And they said, didn't offer the, the two meter social distancing. At which point I just said, you know what? I'm human, made a mistake. I'll do that next time and please accept my apologies. I, I, I personally haven't come across this yet. I've, everyone I've passed has been really quite friendly and um, saying good morning to people and everyone's saying yeah. to each other. This is a micro event in what has been relatively, well, mostly a very positive experience of people being kind to each other out on the trails. I'm not, no one thinks I'm a, on a judgmental crusade. I've, I've done exactly what they've done. I've been rude to someone unnecessarily because I've had that the bad day or whatever and I've been found out for it. One episode was on a bike actually, which is one of the reasons I stopped cycling because I found myself being very angry on the bike and I said something rude to a driver who didn't take kindly to it and he was right to do so (laughs) and then he caught up with me (laughs) on the bike. I had nowhere to go. He he looked like he was prepared to not accept what I just called him, shall we say. And I felt utterly embarrassed. So uh, I'm in a glass house throwing stones. And I know I know what it's like to come from that point of view. But, and, and on that episode, I, I realized, well, here I am in cycling shoes, in Lycra, on a carbon bike, <laughs> being threatened by what looked like an MMA fighter. <laughs> How did I think this was going to end? <laughs> You're not exactly stable in cycling shoes either. So, no, exactly. Uh, not the most aggressive look, the cycling look, or your liker. And... Yeah, yeah, but I just thought it was interesting, you know, with um, with what's going on. I hope it's not a sign of things to come. And I don't think it is. Because from now on, I'm, I will make sure I will risk scaring someone by shouting, move out of the way, than getting in the way of their social distancing. So I, I have learned it, something. But even that can come across bad, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it does. It can, risk, sorry. Risk sounding like, sounding quite aggressive by going shouting, get out of the way and, yeah. I mean, I've even had it before, just not without before all this has occurred, where I've said excuse me to people and it's frightened them because they didn't know someone was behind them. So I've been running up behind someone on a narrow path. I've said excuse me and it's actually frightened them. So that yeah. can become quite aggressive as well. Maybe just have done away with all of it. Let's get a one of those um, starter horns yeah. <laughs> and just run with one of them. <laughs> It'll be funny. <laughs> i tell you what I did do yesterday, Tristan, was Simon Minton's audio training. Have you, ever, have you done it yet? Oh, no, I haven't done it yet. Um, as I said, I'm building back into training, so um, I plan to try it next week, probably. I've done it really good. Oh, honestly, really good. It's What's nice about it is without doing club training, you've actually got a bit of company in your ear and you, you don't have to look at your watch or work out the segments and he, he's crafted a really good product there I think and it's definitely worthwhile so I was uh, I enjoyed that yesterday. So do you think you can push yourself harder because of that because you aren't looking at your watch and because you're just listening to him do you think you can push yourself harder? 
Yeah, I mean, if you go out, so if you do a speed session and you've got a coach with a stopwatch and the coach says, right, today we're going to do whatever it is, 10 times 300 metres, you can then fully focus on what's about to occur. You know how roughly, how long each bit is going to last because the coach has got a, that in mind. So if you then take that with Simon's audios and he says, right, we're going to do four times four minutes, you can really focus in on and especially if you do it in a loop around wherever you live around a track you can be quite predicted of your time but if you're running around a loop your estates the countryside whatever you can just say well i'm going to put in harder effort for these four minutes and that will increase your capacity yeah it's nice not if you're doing it in that method it's nice because you're not judging the distance that you've covered in that four minutes but you know most people will say maybe cover a k or more yeah, in that yeah. four minutes and and they understand that the training they're going to get i think it's going to make many more episodes which would be good so you can pick and choose maybe a bespoke session if you wanted longer intervals or shorter intervals and uh flick flack between those episodes but yeah it's a really good product it's a really really good product he's um he comes across really well in it i'm really keen to try it and it sounds like it's really good for um avoiding dataism trying to like you've talked about quite a bit in your podcast avoiding getting obsessed with numbers so by listening to Simon and pushing yourself listening to him you don't have to look at your watch and get obsessed with what numbers you're pulling and how far you're going and you can just go off field and return back to what we enjoy about running I have to say though I'm creeping back into having a look at my times (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah letting the ego get in the way I suppose comes across that I've had a a bit of the idea of looking at data as if it's a wrong thing I don't. I just think there's a place for everything, a place for not doing it, a place for doing it. And I certainly record my runs and look at it afterwards. I think I've had a danger of, though, of uh, misjudging runs. I think if you remember, go back to that. Before I got a 117, my PB in a half marathon, the Tuesday before it, me and you were doing two-mile cir- two intervals on the beach. Yeah. I could barely keep 6.20 pace per mile. Yeah. On the Thursday before it, I was rinsed just because of the program I was on and I couldn't keep pace with the club who were doing nine and a half minute miles. Now, obviously, I'd planned after that Thursday, two days rest and then went and smashed a 117. So I think that sometimes trouble with the data is you've got this, you've got this in mind, right? I can do a mile in, someone might say to themselves, I can do a mile in, let's say five minutes, 45 but on their mile intervals, they're only achieving six and a half minute miles. Yeah. That doesn't mean their effort isn't high. That doesn't mean that training isn't going to increase their speed or be worthwhile. And I think you can misjudge the data and what's presenting to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, especially with with training before a race, um, after a long training block, you're getting towards that taper period before a race. And um, you haven't got the adrenaline from the race day. You um, haven't tapered yet. So you're a bit fatigued, you're a bit tired. And race pace, especially half marathon race pace, 5K race pace, feels really, really, really fast. And like you said, we've done those two mile reps before at race pace, or just just faster or slower. And you're thinking, how on earth am I gonna keep this up for 13 miles? But when race day comes along, you're rested, you've got the adrenaline, you feel really, really good. So there's a yeah. real risk of looking at those numbers and freaking out. There's actually a real weird case in um, 
an Italian cycling team where uh, they're banning their site, their their mem uh, they're banning their team members from um, using power meters because they're getting too obsessed with the numbers. They were um, looking at the numbers and thinking, oh, that's not the watts that I should be pulling. And then partway through the race, they just drop off or fall back into the back of the bunch. And it was all because of the numbers, not necessarily because they were tired. But because it well, so what they were seeing was then affecting their performance because of their mindset. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah. So they, they're thinking I should be pulling 300 watts. They look at the screen, it'd be 250. And then they think, oh, this is going to be a this is going to be a rubbish day just because the numbers weren't what they expected them to be, and the team um, team captains were basically saying like, right, this is this is a problem. This is actually reducing their ability to perform just because the numbers weren't right. Yeah, and yeah. So if you judge a training session where you're not hitting what you think is your potential, you could go on the start line, limiting your potential already by saying, well, if I couldn't keep two miles at that pace. I need to lower my target or I need to lower my lower the expectation on myself. And then when something goes a little wrong in the race, like maybe a headwind comes your way, you go, oh, that's it now. Yeah, it's all over. Yeah. I may as well not push because I know I can't do it. Well, we've all had it, haven't we? So like, there's more and more information on this about but basically what limits you in a race is perception of effort. They used to think that it was actually like a biomechanical thing that, you you were limited by what your body could do but actually they've realized more and more with the central governor theory if people have heard about that before that basically your mind controls how hard you can push your body it will never let you go 100 percent, and it's your perception of how hard you're pushing that actually limits you rather than actually how hard you are actually going so if you're going out and you're running into a headwind and you don't realize or you're running at a slight incline and you think this should be so much easier running at this pace than it is, that will potentially reduce your performance massively because you're perceiving the effort is harder than it should be. If it's if the going gets a bit tough, you've got to be open that this is transient. This could yeah. this could end. And equally, okay. equally when the going's good, don't take your eye off the ball. If the going's good, and I worried about this when I got my PB in London was I didn't allow myself to say this is going great yeah because that yeah. would my focus would then drop off and then something could you know a catastrophe could happen like over pushing myself or, or whatever you know you need to keep focused it's almost zen like isn't it nothing's either good or bad you're just running and focusing yeah yeah for sure I've been trying to get my first episode of the other podcast I'm trying to launch in the long run completed and i've decided to do it on scheduling i'm going to do a whole episode on scheduling for a marathon marathon will be the context but you don't have to be planning a marathon to hopefully get something out of the episode one it will detail some things tips about scheduling a running program but it's also all the habits around a schedule and i think des white pointed me in the direction when i was talking to him where he said everything in your life has to be around supporting your yeah. your goal or something whatever that is whether that would be a 10k 5k I'm, I'm drafting at the moment what i'm discovering is if you're trying to draft a half an hour hour episode uh, it's essentially like doing a, a an academic piece of work <laughs> you know you've got to do quite a lot of planning into it yeah so i'm i'm, I'm going to have a try of uh, recording a draft today for that well, I, look, I look forward to listening to that because um 
of course you you've improved your marathon time so much it'd be interesting to see what you think about marathon training and how you reckon the schedules you've done or you'd recommend after how much you've improved yours from over three hours down to two hours and 40. And I've reflected on that a lot and what's caused me to reflect is why I didn't maintain that time in so I got 242 and then shortly after I got 245 and I gave myself loads of excuses why I didn't match my time before or the weather wasn't good or there was a headwind in one of those and I've decided that actually I don't think I was as I don't think my habits were as good leading up to that race as they were for London and I don't think my focus was there so I've done some reflection on that and I'll and I'll, and I'll point those out what mo- the theme of this episode will hopefully be it's not just about running this yeah. this, this could help tee you up in life one of them well, is it's all the recipes together you can't yeah. just do one thing runners runners like to run don't we we like to go we like to run and oh, that's it run you hear the, some of the old boys saying oh you don't need to worry about bone rolling don't need to worry about oh don't go cycling we've got a member of the club who's really against cycling <laughs> yeah. but but then if all you do is run it doesn't make it necessarily mean that it'll work out good you've got to have the recipe together good sleep good nutrition exactly mate and i think the first half of the episode you will not hear anything about running it's about have you looked at what you're doing with your time have you split up your day have you thought about what you must do in the week like you must spend time with your family you must have family meals you must whatever it is you must do work and have you put that on a a pie chart and said right now what's left for running how much time you've got left for running and one of the one of the key lessons i'm proud of and i use it in my working life when i'm mentoring people on learning programs is when someone says they haven't got time I ask them to get their phone out and then investigate what apps they've been on and for how long. And yeah, I'm yet yeah. to come across many people. It's only a couple of people. Most people have spent, spend a working day every 10 days on social media. Wow. A working day, like eight, you know, at least eight hours. Many wow. do many more, uh, myself included. So it's a good opportunity to sort of look at people. If you want a game changer program, yeah schedule a game-changing program you have the capacity yeah now obviously got people have got different contexts i'm not saying that people's lives aren't busy but there's always opportunities and yeah, yeah. so i look forward to hopefully giving something useful over in that regard uh, and i think like considering that much time i didn't know it was that much that much time that people are spending uh, i i can imagine it's, i'm spending far longer than i thought as well mm. tv as well but um they're not they're not men, memory producing activities are they so in years and years to come when you remember back all the things that you've done social media and tv aren't going to be those things that you remember but if you go and train for something and you go and train for a marathon or a half marathon or whatever sport you do that will produce memories and that'll be something you always it'll be more worthwhile spending your time than um yeah and it's intrinsic as well it's nice to get all the compliments off people but you don't need it the the self-pride that you have at achieving something is within you it's not it doesn't you know you don't need lots of pats on the back although that is very lovely and it's it's yeah it's good part of being in the community is doing that for other people and receiving that yourself right well that's it for today thanks for the chat tristan and uh i'll see you on strava and look forward to running with you in the future cheers for chat mate no ice. Looking forward to racing you again. <laughs>
That's it for this week. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Please join us next week for more running chat. Stay safe, stay happy, stay running.